0: Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 146, Disruption. Kindly disrupt. We are broadcasting live here at the end of the summer. We are in mm. August in the worldwide shed quarters with new lights. Jesse, in Blacksburg, Virginia, it's good to be back. We are doing the right thing by not podcasting too much in the summer we've tried but there's lots of other things to do so many things to do my children who are not children I don't have any children really left is a 17 year old a child probably not no so my a, a young adult people that came from uh, my loins. Uh, <laughs> I, I, t- I think just stick with children. Fruit of my loins are all in town just for a few more days. Kylie heads back soon, August 16th for camp for the Sewanee Women's Soccer University of South. She was like freshman of the year, right? She did well. She did well. She's talking about sophomore year. Dad, how do I know if I'll be good again? I was just, just be you. You'll, yeah. you'll be fine. So she's training hard. Kayla leaves the 21st for her senior year. That's crazy. Crazy. At Washington and Lee University, had a wonderful experience there, and now is around the home stretch and talking to classical Christian schools around the country. She's a, a recruit, perhaps, mm. uh, for that world, Jesse. So, if you know headmasters who want history, Latin, English writing, I would person, hire her. Yeah, I would too. She's pretty awesome. She's editing a curriculum I'm writing called Gospel Underground Deepen which is kind of Ooh. Bible theology, hermeneutics. I've been waiting for that stuff. to come out. Hey, man, I'm, I'm finishing up. I'm I, the I, last you know, I've episode. got my paid subscription
1: yes. to the Gospel Underground, That's and right. I, I use all your stuff, and I'm waiting for that one to come That's out. That's right. Everybody out we'll there. We'll use it at Valley Bible G- Church. This is
0: our first official advertisement. Oh, promo. Promo on the Gospel Underground for the Gospel Underground GU Access Program. You get GU Prepare. It's a cohort-based curriculum for men, and then deepen is just gender whatever. You can have men, women, or kin uh, do your GU. GU. <laughs> <laughs> You're deep in a uh, class on theology of the Bible, uh, some church playing white papers as well. hit it up, people tell your I, pastor if you 're a pastor, check it out oh I was just in a in a in a consulting
1: call with a with a church plant, and uh, they were asking questions around what do we do about developing elders yeah, you know, like yeah. in house and yeah. I was like, you subscribe to the gospel Underground. There you That's go. you do GU there you access go. And then I'll help you uh, work through. Because that's what we use at Valley Bible Church. Um, Train up the guys. Yep. And
0: then when they're ready, you put them in that final elder lap process. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, Jesse. That's encouraging. Um, so that was I, not planned. So, uh, so, I, it's not so I, did, I did... Uh, we not that into it, so see we're right We're not back. that into it. It's time for review. I can't review this at all. Jesse, I did see the Barbie movie. Because I have not seen it. movie, And it almost convinced me that there are three genders, men, women, and kids. But... (laughs) But I'm staying with uh, male and female made in the image of God. Nonetheless... Um, but before we get to the Barbie review ish, well, let's get to it and we'll get get back to it. Um, there's been a lot said about Barbie. I'm not going to say too much. We are going this fall into kind of thing called image of God. We're going to talk about male, female. We're going to talk about gender, gender ideologies. We're probably gonna have some friends on and do some interviews. I'm reading multiple books right now on that. And so I went to see the Barbie movie as a research opportunity uh, with my three uh, now with, see that with, might get me out with, yeah, this is research, yeah, with my three daughter, well, okay. my my wife and two daughters yep. who were all dressed in pink outfits mm. and taking pictures and stuff and uh I tell you what, man, it was a different experience for them um than it was for you for, women love this movie they they love it, jesse um. For me, I just, I don't know. I felt uncomfortable, Though <laughs> it, it's, it's really funny. It's well written. It's a well composed film. It's, 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 it's a good movie that has lots of stuff in there. Like, you know, guys and girls experiencing differently, but there is a woman named Louise Perry who who's written, she, I guess she calls herself a reactionary feminist. She, um, married woman in England and she kind of wrote a thing about why men love kin and it's kind of a little tongue-in-cheek, but she was comparing them to even to some of the 90s movies like Fight Club, which kind of wrestle with masculinity. And she said the reason why men are wrestling with this, I think she really nailed it. I'm going to read a quote real quick. She said, Barbie offers a more intensely dystopian iteration of this genre, this kind of male thing, because the plight of Ken is so much worse than the plight of the men in these older films, Forget ennui. There is zero role for the men of Barbie Land. There is no work to be done, no problems to be solved, no protection to be offered, no children to be conceived and fathered. Ken's six-pack is useless since society has no need either for physical strength or sexual attraction, given that his smooth plastic crotch precludes the possibility of sex. Ken has no political power, no property rights, and worst of all, no t loss, no purpose, Mm. no purpose. Ken is completely expendable, and before his introduction to the real world, he's too brainwashed to understand the true cause of his dissatisfaction. And she concludes the article by saying this, reactionary feminism diverges from other forms of feminism, including Barbie feminism, in that it takes masculinity seriously, having uh, started from the recognition that men and women are profoundly different in important ways if we believe wrongly insanely that all differences between men and women are the product of socialization then the best advice we can offer to an unhappy kin is that they ought to become more like women go to therapy cultivate their soft skills get over themselves become a kin jesse no, th- no, thank, th- you. no thank you thank <laughs> you thank you no thank you well, Jesse, you did something not... Well, I guess it is kin-like. No, no, at the, no, no, no. They're hold at the on, beach. They're at on. the beach. You went to the beach recently. Well, I don't even
1: know anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. You know, that that's such an interesting quote. I'm going to, to check out Louise Perry. Yeah, she has a sub stack. Her sub stack. She has um, a
0: podcast that's uh, called Maiden Mother, something like Matriarchy or something like that. I like it so far. It's very She's very insightful. I believe she wrote a book called "While This Why the Sexual Revolution Failed Women." I'm going to yeah. pick it up here soon. Okay,
1: so that's a, it's an interesting quote, and it that's a good lead into our fall series. And yes. it actually is a lead into what I was going to. I was just going to talk about how I just got back from the beach. Yes, uh, my dad is one of ten kids. Wow. Roman Catholic family. Yes, um, each of the ten kids has at least two kids, so I've got thirty cousins. The cousins all not all of us, but a lot a lot of the older ones like me have kids. This and, is a
0: furious horde. Yeah, so the <laughs>
1: furies come together every two years for a big beach reunion, and there's sixty or seventy of us there, uh, dude. It was so great. Yeah. It was so fun. But I actually was thinking about while you were reading that how how my family there are men and women. Yeah, and it's really clear, purposeful and in it's, that. And, but it's uh, it's like a. Um, you know, it's not all good, true, and beautiful, but, yeah. there, but there's a working together yeah. where that recognizes and dignifies the differences. Yes. Anyway, it was fun. It was fun, fun being around my family. Partnership, uh, yep.
0: connectivity, uh, joint missions, co heirs in the gospel. There's lots to say from our perspective on these things. And look, we're going to look at all sorts of perspectives. Here in the fall, and I look forward to. It. If you guys have questions that seriously about the Barbie movie, or about things you would like to, you know, for us to include in that series, we're forming it now, uh, doing the appropriate research. Jesse knows I don't want to do any kind of podcast thing if we haven't thought about it first. You know, get on here and just say stuff. Yeah, um, we're still trying to value books, research footnotes, people who knows things, uh, so we can talk about this important issue in our culture. But Jesse, we are. Talking about disruption, yeah. Today we are in Assildar. You guys, man, I tell you what, my art, I'm just going to be honest on the air. People don't like evangelism as they do other controversial topics. We talk about a controversial topic on this podcast. Our numbers are huge. They're steady this summer, but a little bit summerish, if you know what I mean. So we, it's not That's because like with- you guys don't love evangelism. sharing the gospel with you, right, Jesse? <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, when
1: when I I actually get invited to speak on spiritual disciplines. Sometimes I, I'm doing that this fall yeah. uh, locally, and when I speak on and teach on and and train any of the spiritual disciplines, uh, when I get to evangelism, yes. as a spiritual discipline, <laughs> yes. this crickets. Yeah, it's like, like, whoa, 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 whoa. we just we, want to read, read our our Bible. to read our bibles and pray. Silence. <laughs> yeah, I want to go. I our... wanted some solitude, yeah. and now you're yeah. telling me I have to go talk to people about how. In a way that says, Hey, yeah. you're lacking something. Yeah. Let me tell you about Jesus. Yeah. Now you you know, now now I can you know, uh a friend of mine, Rick James, yeah. um, wrote wrote a book called uh, A Million Ways to Die. Yeah. And the whole idea of the book is um when we share the gospel, when we do evangelism, it's a little death. There's a million to ways. Yourself. You have to yeah. yeah, every every time is a, even if that death for us isn't like you know, Polycarp at, at yeah, you know, in the Colosseum. Being martyred. Being martyred, but it's like a death of reputation. Yeah. Um, or at least the, yeah. we imagine it. That's we live right. that death that's out right. in our head. That's and that's, that's I think, one reason why it's hard to. Yeah.
0: There there are dumb ways to die, so many dumb ways there to are. die, but not the deaths we need to do to self in order mm-hmm. to share with someone else the good news, the greatest news ever heard. And so we've been going to Asseldar. We're coming close to the end. We're not quite to the end. We've got a few more episodes, Jesse, but. The importance, right, of living amongst non-Christian people, right, so we can have life overlapping with others, sharing our life, being real human beings, right, transparency, vulnerability, real humans with others, sharing the gospel. We talked about the gospel diamond, Mm -hmm. creation, fall, and promise, right? Creation, fall, redemption, kingdom of God. We'll revisit that a little bit because that's where we want to live with people in that framework, in that worldview. We talked about last time the importance of listening to people, right? seeing what makes them tick, what ticks them off, What is the baggage they're bringing to this? Where is the place we want to enter in our conversation with them, with the gospel, because we listen well and we care for people well. Today we get to the D of Asildar, which used to be deconstruct. I've changed it to disrupt for obvious reasons, because uh, deconstruction is something where somebody dismantles. Now people are talking about like maybe somebody who was around Christian stuff and then left Christian mm-hmm. stuff and they quote unquote deconstructed. I didn't want to be confusing. So I changed the word to disrupt because as a witness, Jesse, we need to be in the lives of other people to help disrupt things a little bit, right? Yeah. To unsettle things, to kind of uh, upset the, the the apple cart as it were so that people can think or consider different possibilities uh, for life, and remember, when we talked about sharing the gospel with people, we talked about, hey, does we need to know that we're created by God? We need to know that the world is fallen. We're fallen. We're sinful. We need to know that redemption came in Jesus Christ, and we need to know that the kingdom of God is our future, or the right judgment of God, where people are separated from Him for eternity, is mm. the future. And so, disruption is saying, hey, we need to sometimes rattle someone's overconfidence. Like I, I don't know Jesse if you've met people like this, but I have. One of my friends, John Jenkins, he's within the kingdom of heaven now. I've shared about him on this podcast. I believe uh, John was so confident in his unbelief that it needed to, his cage needed to be rattled, right? We need to shake mm. the foundations or help them doubt their current assumptions right that maybe they've not examined they just think that the world exploded into being and goo flew around and we're sophisticated uh hominids and we're just here and that's it we need to help people question foundations uh help open other people's minds that the gospel could be potentially plausible potentially true and for them right mm. and if someone else has other religious convictions or commitments or certain comfortabilities about their way of life sometimes we need to help in a kind way disrupt that shake it up
1: yeah that's really good that that reminds me Reed, of and and i think that we're we're going to talk about plausibility structures and it just it just makes me think about how like our neighbor just like just like i just like me my mm. neighbor has a certain um way of seeing the world they live in it every day they live in it yeah. every day it's 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 they see the world through their lens and um and it makes the gospel incomprehensible often because there are certain things that still that need to be disrupted that's right that's right and um and what what disruption can do is help them see that what they're you know, that goo flying through the space. And, and these yeah. some of the, these things are, are the things that are actually incomprehensible or right. should be incomprehensible. That's right, that's right. And that there's certain sort of preconceived uh, commitments.
0: That's right, that's um, right.
1: That they're holding on to that make, that sort of, like if I come in here and say, well, hey, believe, repent and believe in Jesus for salvation. You're like,
0: what? Yeah, yeah. you
1: know, and sometimes it's like, well, I, number one, no. Number two, I don't believe that Jesus, you know, was a, was a person or, or, or I don't need that. I don't need that. Cause yeah. I'm good. Or, yeah. you know, I don't believe. So there's certain things that I think need to be disrupted. Um, and,
0: and part of listening, right guys, is to see what kind of controlling beliefs people mm-hmm. have. And again, that comes to their loves, their worships, their things, they trust, they find their security in. seeing what's going on there and then helping indirectly. Cause you know, you don't want to just Headbutt people and fight yeah. with them, indirectly help them question those assumptions. And so, every every you mentioned the the term plausibility structure. Um, everyone has assumptions about the world that help them think this is could be true or this could be false. And there's a there's a study um, that Dr. Peter Berger did years ago about the sociological acceptance of certain beliefs, religious beliefs even that accepting certain foundational beliefs makes other beliefs possible. And if you don't have certain beliefs, other, you can't believe certain things. For example, for example, a lot of people I grew up around and certainly in my course of physics, right, when, uh, when we were studying the Heisenberg uncertainty principle in modern physics class at North Carolina, I had certain friends that didn't believe that miracles were possible because they thought that everything was a long chain of cause and effect or best quantum fluctuations and that I believe in science. So I can't believe in mm. miracles. I can't believe yeah. in miracles. Right. And so if you have a friend like that, if you just say, Hey, well, Jesus rose from the dead. Well, they don't believe in that. They don't think it's possible or plausible. And so disruption says, well, what do I need to do with my friend to get him to see that if God exists, then miracles could be possible, or at least interventions into the world, uh, uh, the world that we observe. If if I get there with them, perhaps their mind could be open to other things, and then we build... From there, or you know, very common today, Jesse's the idea is like, I can't believe God would judge anyone. It's not very nice, right? Um, but you're saying, God, you know, I need to be saved or something. Why? Why would that be possible? Or that people are, you mentioned this already, people are inherently good, right? I'm good. Well, I'm, I'm good. Why do I need a savior, right? Yeah. And so there are ways uh, that are indirect where we can uh, help people. To see like like for for example, we've shared this many times on the podcast. If somebody is very, very much about the problematic injustice in people in the world, we can go from there to kind of this idea that yeah, we've sinned and fall short and even are culpable. Uh, Obviously, our friends believe people are blameworthy in some way. You know, you listen to the white hot social media discussions that people are like they deserve hell almost for their problematic, unjust, whatever beliefs. And so we can help people go from uh, people are basically good from their idea of justice and justice Mm. to the idea that man is sinful, separated from God, there there's no real joy in the grace of Jesus unless people can see that they're lost. Yeah, what were we gonna say? Oh, yeah. I was gonna yeah. say a
1: good a good example of this in 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 a film is um, this idea of disruption and plausibility structures is the classic film nacho libre
0: <laughs> classic you've yeah. seen it what, i have what's his in, buddy's name in pieces i've seen okay I have not, I have his partner I, I forget world of nacho
1: Libre. the guy that steals the uh <laughs> the the lord's <laughs> chips yeah. and he's luchadores yeah, he's, yeah. he can't believe that he's not baptized and yeah. uh, his buddy says um you know i only believe in science
0: ah that's and right. then
1: later nacho says uh, i'm not listening to you you, believe, you only believe in science. It's probably why we're not winning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's like, I'm not ready to receive Jesus. I don't need yeah. to be baptized. I only believe in science.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's very common. Um, you know, Tim Keller has a quote. I'm glad I could contribute. Yeah. Hey, Nacho, Nacho Libre. Libre is very welcome <laughs> with Barbie.
1: Between Peter Berger and, and, and uh, the social canopy. That's right. And Dr. Tim Keller. That's right. We'll, we got, we we got got so speaking
0: Bray. of Dr the late Dr. Tim Keller, you know he, he in kind of reformed theological circles, I really appreciate Dr. Keller for many reasons, but one of the reasons is that he brought kind of apologetics yeah. out of a certain corner of Christianity back into the place that it belongs biblically in mm. the place of witnessing right uh, in, in, in a community confronting a, a world that doesn 't believe. With the good news, and he, he said this in an article on, called In Defense of Apologetics, In Defense of Making a Defense, uh, he said, Thus, a gospel-shaped apologetic must not simply present Christianity. It must also challenge the nonbeliever's worldview and show where it and they have a real problem. Uh, sometimes it's called apologetics as offense where we question mm-hmm. kind of folks and be helpful in our disruptions. Now, Jesse, you know, before I became a Christian, you know, I was almost 20 years old. I, you know, was kind of going about my life, quite frankly. I was uh, trying to have achievements and success in athletics and academics and build a life based on me. And unless something changes in that, you know, people aren't becoming Christians, right? There has a direct, like I think of certain people like, oh, unless God intervenes, They're not going to become a follower of Jesus Christ, but here's the beautiful thing: God intervenes sometimes directly, um, often through the use of His people, because His plan is the Great Commission of Jesus Christ that He sent us to make disciples of all ethnic peoples, and that's kind of our role. That's why, even though crickets at the evangelism as a spiritual discipline thing, this is a wonderful opportunity to be used by God to be a helpful disruption to others. Now, Jesse, there's a couple articles I read uh, maybe a couple years ago uh, from a, a, a lady named Jenna Harmon. Now, she's mm-hmm. got a master's in apologetics, a PhD in religion and theology from the University of Birmingham in England, and in her doctoral research, she studied the religious conversion of atheists to Christianity. So, atheist person, uh, I don't, you know, I don't believe the proposition God exists is true. Um, People like that who didn't believe in God converting to Christianity and through interviews of 50 former atheists, she determined that the kind of way this happens is through disruption. Hmm. Now, she talks about four different kinds of disruption that the the atheists who became Christians kind of... uh, Happen to their lives, so to speak. And the first one was a disruptive witness. In other words, uh, a wise, godly, or loving person uh, counters their preconceived notions mm. of Christianity. It's like God uses you to throw a monkey wrench in someone's ideas that Christians are all you know, stupid or closed-minded bigots or whatever, yeah. um, but yet you enter their life, and it kind of makes them go, hmm, there's kind of a, a dissonance, right? Like, huh, I know I think this about Christians, but I but I know Jesse. Yeah. You know, it kind of disrupts their preconceived notions, which can create an openness, right, in dialogue and conversation, which we share in the gospel. Um, the second the second thing she shared is what she called disruptive longings. Mm. In other words, um they they kind of reacted to the world and their current ideas, kind of resulting in kind of meaninglessness or emptiness. Yeah. That the world seemed absurd, but yet they kind of still felt like it wasn't. That maybe they they see that the world seems to have meaning. My life has meaning, but everything I believe kind of leads me to this existential kind of crisis. And many of them found God. Uh, in that um the third thing she said was disruptive crisis like a real crisis like personal dilemmas and tragedy that god actually uses this to bring people to faith like maybe a loss of a loved one or a, or a or career ending something or financial ruin like something really really you hit bottom mm-hmm. and sometimes when people hit bottom they look up right they they they're yeah. found by god in that and so the fourth uh, thing was related to that, but a little different. She said a disruptive circumstance, a non crisis like life events, you know um you know maybe a supernatural occurrence or encounter that God does, right a dream or a vision, or you know a circumstance like the birth of a child. oh, yeah, you hold that yeah. baby the yeah. first
1: time and you think oh this is this was from nothing like yeah. this. Cosmic, accidents. Cosmic accident. Cosmic yeah. accident. You know, space dust. Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah.
0: These kinds of things affect people, yeah. right? Uh, or the conversion of a respected friend. A, mm. a friend. We saw this all the time. Like a friend becomes a Christian. Um, that allows other people to yeah. consider it for themselves. We're seeing that now in some of the circles I'm running in. It's like, oh, this guy committed his life to Jesus, and now this other guy is asking really good questions, right? And certainly a colleague or family member. Uh, comes to faith in Christ, it can disrupt in life, and I I think she's obviously studied this as a Ph.D. Yeah. In, her, in her Ph.D. dissertation that this is kind of how real strong non-believers become believers. They have to be disrupted. Now, how how do we do that? Mm. How do we Jesse disrupt people without being jerks? Right? Like, yeah, there's a way to
1: disrupt that is um, mean.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> there's a way to disrupt that that. That hates the person you 're disrupting that 's right,
0: or just tries to own them or blow yeah. them up right that kind of that kind of reality, like hey you know, let 's blow them up on social media, oh, we own them like that kind of stuff usually doesn 't create the kind of open Conversation where we could share the gospel,
1: right? I mean, you got you really got to wonder how many people are owned into the kingdom. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's yeah. not it, in some ways that kind of stuff provides something like yes. the Christian that sees it is like, ooh, we're we're on the winning team. Yeah, we're not idiots. Yeah, you know, they're, they're,
0: we destroyed we them. destroyed them. Ugh. Yeah,
1: but but um, but you know, if, if the aim of evangelism is this person would have an encounter with God through Christ, yep, is that you know we want to think about disruption in ways that goes. I want to remove some of the barriers you That's have, right. not not disrupt you, so as to add more barriers. That's right. We
0: want to o- create an open environment where people can see and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and accept that or reject right that. Mm. But we want them to hear. Right, you have to be able to hear, Jimmy. Now, Jesse, I want to give a couple categories here um sorry for the the white man can't jump uh, hearing jimmy hendrix reference there for those sorry about that i just do that so sort of, you can't hear jimmy but anyway i want to give two categories here direct method indirect method if i want to directly mm. engage someone say yeah, you know, hey here are the problems with your atheism i could just do that by telling someone declarative kind of full frontal yeah. attack right i'm gonna go straight up against the walls and see you know, put it under siege that is a way to do it there's also an indirect method where we through questions right allow others to see the broken position that they're holding or the shaky foundation uh on which they stand now this 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 idea i think is teased out well and our friend Randy Newman who's been on the podcast mm-hmm. and Jesse you got him what was his his newest book it was um It's on C.S. Lewis. Oh, Mere Evangelism. Mere Evangelism, right? He had an earlier book that we both appreciate called Questioning Evangelism. And he says instead of kind of a full frontal attack on people, that by asking questions we not only diffuse uh, maybe some tension that would not be helpful, but also create a situation where they want to ask questions and we can see really what's going on. And so he says when you get a hard question from someone you might be sharing the gospel with— He says, Don't answer it right away. Don't answer it yet. In fact, in Aseldar, disruption becomes before giving answers. We're going to talk about that next time the importance of answers. But sometimes it's better to uh, ask a question to change the playing field. Jesus actually did this. This is in Mark chapter 11, uh, where he's he's getting criticized. And instead of answering them, he asks a question, kind of changes the dynamic. This is in Mark eleven twenty seven 27 through 33. And he said, he came again to Jerusalem and he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. These are the religious experts of the day came to him and they said, by what authority uh, are you doing these things? Or who gave you the authority to do them? Like, who are you to do this? Jesus said to them, okay, he could have said, I'm God. Shut, you know, shut up. Right. He could have just answered them directly. But he said, hey, uh, let me ask you one question, answer me, and then I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And then they discussed it with one another, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, then why didn't you believe him? Right, John came to the baptism. But if we say from man, they were afraid of the people, for they all held John was really a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these Mm. things. Now, what Jesus does here by asking them a question is reveals uh, an important issue in evangelism, I even think, Jesse, is that they were insincere in their questioning of him. Yeah, They were just trying to blow him up and get him. He reveals that, and then says i 'm not going to engage here right yeah. and sometimes we need to do that because like sometimes somebody might be just trying to argue with us they 're maybe not really interested in the gospel, and and in our discussion with them, we might discover that, but we also might discover another way in now Randy Newman gives a, an example in his book about uh, the doctor, the Christian teaching Jesus is teaching about hell yeah. right? it 's being separated from God. Uh, and, and how that seems rough. And he said, you may, he said, he actually recounted a situation in a dormitory where somebody asked him, Hey, do you think people go to hell if they don't believe in Jesus? Right. Blunt question on its yeah. face. Now, oh yeah. I've been could, asked that. Yeah. I've been asked that. Like, yeah. oh, you think if people aren't, don't believe in Jesus, they're going to hell. Um, The answer to that is no. People go to hell because of the right judgment of God for their sin, not because of their lack of belief in Jesus, like didn't take the medicines, It's not what killed them. But anyway, but you could answer that. You could just say, hey, do you believe this? You could just answer it right directly. But you don't really know what that person thinks or why they've asked that question to you, and you may be entering in some discussion that could get pretty weird pretty quick. And so instead of answering it with just a declarative answer, uh, Randy Newman would say, hey, ask a question. So, hey, do you think people go to hell if they don't believe in Jesus? The question we could ask is this, hey, do you believe in hell? Now, when we do that, the person is then confronted and asked in a kind way to examine their actual beliefs, their actual beliefs, not just what they're fighting with you about. Now, if their answer is no, I don't believe in hell, then then our answer is, well, why are you asking me that? You don't even believe that. It's not even a concern for you. What, what, what are you doing? And we can laugh and then, and then maybe see their motive. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, now, if they say, yeah, I, I kind of think there might be, you know, there's like, you know, Osama and yeah, Trump, Trump and Biden, whoever, the bad guy, Hitler, yeah. who, then the question changes. Yeah. Well, who ends up there? Who and, decides? And why? Why? Yeah. Now you're on a different, very, very different place to talk about sin and salvation mm. with a person, because instead of just engaging in a controversial uh, answer to a question, you ask your question and reveal what is really going on in that conversation. I think when we do that indirectly by using questions, we certainly um, we certainly change the 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 ground on which we're playing this mm. and interacting with this. Yeah, person.
1: I remember you know talking with Randy and then reading his book. Um, really helped me with this, this, this idea of the questions is, it's not just to sort of avoid having to get an answer. Yeah. Like, yes. Oh, well, I don't want to, I don't want to burn the bridge too soon. Like once he finds out about hell or, you know, whatever this, this question's about, it's actually, it is what you're saying. It's disruption. It's exposing gaps. It's, yeah. it's changing the tenor
0: sometimes changing the honesty of yeah, the conversation. and
1: and, and, br- and it actually brings the subtext to surface because sometimes the question is here, but what they're really asking is below the surface. And by, by, by asking questions and I, and I think this comes more natural to some people. I think if you're, you know, this is maybe more challenging if you're introverted or you're slower processor. Yeah, actually.
0: Yeah. Actually, I think if you're introverted, slower processors, it can be very helpful. It can be because you have to be patient. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you're, if you're, if you're just going to blurt out things and you're just Speak before you think people. It's going to be really tough. Yeah, this I would just say if,
1: if you're a slow processor, you almost have to kind of preload... Questions, or at least the idea that I should be, I should, I need to think about asking questions. That's right. That's right. Uh, because otherwise, you feel down. like you're. Oh, I'm on the spot. I have to. Have I'm an getting answer attacked well, if
0: I say something. It's going to be bad. At, yeah,
1: and, and yeah. if you're like, well, you know, there's a few. Like, Randy has a few questions in that book that that are just sort of standard questions. That's right. Like, that, that everybody know. asks
0: about Christianity? Yeah. and then, yeah.
1: and then even responses like, oh, that's tell right. me more. Why do you? Why that's do you right. want to know about that? Or that's right. That's
0: right. Know. Well, Jesse, the thing I'm going to share next probably a little scary. Because the best way to know the questions that are people asking about Jesus is to talk to them and listen to them. Mm-hmm. Because when you do that, you do start to hear, hey, th- these are the questions, these are the problems, these are the objections that people have. And then you can read a book, too, that will help you with those, right? They, yeah. they can do that. But so when I do trainings in this kind of thing for churches, Jesse, um, at this point I usually do an exercise where I ask people to get in small groups. So if you're listening in right now, I want you to do this exercise with me. And so you'll be tempted, right? You'll be tempted to answer the question right away. But here's what I want you to do. I'm going to ask you something, and I want you to think, how would I respond to this with questions rather than right away with answers? Not to avoid the conversation, but to take the conversation deeper. For example, Jesse, if I were to ask you, hey, do you believe God accepts gay people? Right? You could probably... Start answering that Mm. in some sort of fashion, but Jesse, what would you? What questions would you ask me if I were to say, "Hey, Jesse, you didn't tell me you were going to do this." Do you believe you're you're making me do do the exercise? Do you believe God accepts gay people? What kind of questions, right? Can you ask them to take the conversation in a good direction?
1: Yeah, that's that 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 is a good exercise. I'd want to ask questions around starting with, "Do you believe in God?" Yes. You yes. know, because you might know this if you know the person, but
0: yeah. So, do you believe in God? Yeah, yeah, and, and even another question: What do you mean? Except no, no. Well, yeah. Oh, that, that's what do you a, mean by yeah, God? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a, that's a great question too, Jesse. You're you, this. You're, you're on this, but yeah. What do you mean when you say God? Yeah, and I that's good because that so, concept in our culture, right, Jesse? God. That could be a personal creator of the or universe, could be a, which we're kind. it could be a force. A force. It could yeah. be me. And energy it could, it could be, be me. you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'd want to ask,
1: do you believe in God and what kind of God do you believe yeah. in? Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you, what do you think accepting someone what looks like? Mean? What does it mean? Yeah. I'd want to ask if you do believe in God, then who does that God accept? How does that, like, how does it, Yeah. you know, and, and then eventually I'd, I'd probably also want to ask about like, what would be things that if there was a God? You, you yeah. think there's a God, okay? Yeah. Uh, what would what would your God not accept?
0: Yes, you're really <laughs> who, good. Yeah, because then you, who who? What are the things your God would judge? Yeah, well, yeah. who gets judged? Yeah, you yeah. know,
1: and and how does your God decide those sorts of yes, things? Yes,
0: yes, excellent. See what Jesse just did there was not delay tactics, wasn't avoiding the question at all, but learning what the person believes now and the categories they already have. Right to to either understand the gospel or not, and now if we see someone says God is the force, then we're like, why are you asking about acceptance, I man? That sounds like a personal thing, right? Oh yeah, well maybe God is personal. Mm-hmm. Maybe there is a that the the force of love would accept people. Well, that sounds like a little bit different than the force. Like that yeah. sounds like something someone you could relate to. Another question right? I thought of just
1: now is I, I might also want to ask something like, what do you think? christians think about this yes because part of what i want to get is do you do you are you thinking westboro baptist do you have a personal experience so yeah i'd also want to ask them like tell me a little bit more about what do you what do you think i'm going to say what do you think christians think about this
0: um this is jesse why i don't like evangelism training that puts pressure on us as the witness to share everything and close the deal so to Mm. speak there's, there is a time where we ask people to make a commitment to repent of sins, put their faith in Christ, and follow Him, and to mark that occasion right with some action. Yeah. I think that's probably baptism, personally, uh, when someone marks that. You know, it an, is in Acts too. There is an action of the soul, of yeah. course, of trust and belief right. and faith and conversion and new life being born by the Spirit converting the person. Uh, But when you make that public, there is an ordinance given to us for that, and that's baptism. Um, If we have enough patience, right, if somebody's asking me that question, and we say, you know, yeah, but repent of your sins and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to say that. Mm -hmm. I just probably want to say a few other things first. And so that's one question. Another question is, and this is very common, how do you say Maria is not okay with God? She's a nice person and faithful to her own private beliefs. Who are you to say she is wrong? Again, we're not answering this. We're thinking through how we would answer that with a question.
1: So let me put it to you. What question would you, would you ask there?
0: Well, I would say, uh, I, I, well, I, I put pro- the script. I, I, I used a yeah. question. <laughs> yeah. You just did it. To <laughs> I me. did yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> well, I would probably start by saying, I, uh, well, first of all, and this is a little declarative. Of Gladys, first of all, I, I who am I to Who am I to say she is wrong? Yeah. I'm, I'm probably no one. I'm not the supreme judge of all things. Like are you? No, we're not. So like, I, I have no interest in trying to be Maria's judge. Yeah. The que- the question I would say was: Does he, is anyone our judge? Yeah. Do you think anyone's our judge? Would be our judge oh, or who, yeah. who whose I don't credentials? Know. I don't think anybody should judge. Whose Whose yeah. credentials are good enough to judge right. us? Right. Because right. it seems like. Right, sexism, racism, murder, hate, all this evil doing, child child abuse, sex trafficking. It seems to me, Jesse, that these things are blame worthy. Yeah, uh, worthy of judgment. Um,
1: well, and you might even better be not able be to, me or you, but yeah, somebody else. you yeah. might even be able to ask questions like, "How do you know she's a nice person? How can you tell?" Yeah, what do you mean by nice? Because you're really making judgments. Yeah. So, so you're you know you're yeah. putting yourself in a place, right. place. So I'd want to ask right. those, and I'd also you know. Faithful to her own private beliefs, I'd want to. That's an interesting one. Like, yeah. you know, what if her personal private beliefs are at odds with other? Yeah. who gets to decide whose yeah. personal private beliefs are right? And, that's
0: right. If somebody has a personal uh, private beliefs of boiling babies for fun, would you judge those? Yeah. Well, yeah, we probably would. Or marrying children. Yeah, yeah, Meaning, yeah. You yeah. know,
1: pedophilia. Yeah. Is that Yeah. If is that okay? You know, yeah. at some point we're all we. Pretty that's much, right. we, right. we would agree, right? You know, that's right. There are that's some right. things that are not okay. And in this
0: kind of engagement, we want to get to some common, common mm-hmm. assumptions, even like, hey, that there there is probably someone we're accountable to. It ain't you and me. Mm. Uh, that standard matters more than my own standard, and that we're accountable to that. And then, if that's true, how do we know what's good enough? It's good. Is it just a religious treadmill? If I do a little bit better, good things, and then my bad things, how would I ever know? That seems exhausting. That seems troubling. I would never know where I stand with God. Or perhaps we could be forgiven and mm-hmm. know that we we stand in a good place with God. Would you Would you be interested in that? And then if you get to the point, and this has happened, Jesse, in my yeah. life, like you get to the point where someone said, yeah, I'm interested in that. Can you tell me about it? Oh, that? yeah. Well, then we just share the gospel. Yep. That Christ died for sinners, of which we are foremost. That if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and that he, Christ, he raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. Do you want that? Here's what biblical faith is: it's to put our trust in Him. Uh, you can have that today, and so that's when you give Him the gospel diamond. They give like Him the, the gospel, gospel diamond. diamond. Yeah, you say God created us in His image and likeness. We turn aside and we do sin, and we are blameworthy. And but yet Jesus died to pay for those sins, the death we deserve, to give us a new life. And if we receive that, we then become part of a family living out a mission to overcome evil with good and proclaim the gospel. And in, in our destiny is eternal life with him yeah. in kingdom of heaven. Do you want that? Right. It's mm. uh so we want to ask questions that help them doubt current assumptions and foundations. And so I just want to encourage you guys, the gospel diamond, there's a picture on it. An episode what we shared on share the gospel. Um, there's questions underneath that we want to know where we are. Yeah. If we're talking to somebody, where do they relate to God as creator? where do they relate in terms of sin and need of salvation where do they relate to jesus currently and there's all sorts of questions that we've provided here we'll put them in the show notes again today on that and i always just i think where you know i don't think about this consciously anymore but i think of where 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 is a person related to things they need to know in order to become a follower of Jesus Christ, and so they need to know they're created, fallen, needing forgiveness. It's offered in Jesus. We can repent, turn from sin as hell, have faith, trust in Him. And if we do so, there we receive forget not God's benefits, mm-hmm. forgiveness, new life, destiny changed, mm-hmm. right? And it's worth the thousand deaths to try to mm-hmm. engage someone else to disrupt things. Now we'll close here, Jesse sometimes people don't like us disrupting their stuff and they don't like our Jesus. What do you do in those cases, uh, Jesse, when, when a friend rejects you?
1: Mm. Well, you know, when you're, you're talking about a friend. Yeah. I think that's, that's where you, you have to really embrace the long suffering. Yeah. Love of um, someone who's against you, you know? I mean, I've got people in my life who have rejected me once, twice, but have sort of come back. Yeah. So I, to me I think that the, the Christ like faithfulness to just say, Well, you know, I'm my, my I don't rise or fall whether or not That's right. you're upset with me.
0: There's a fellowship with Jesus of yes. sharing in his sufferings. He was rejected and despised and rejected by men. When yeah. he suffered, he made no threats. And this is beautiful. He entrusted himself to the one who judges justly.
1: And I remember, I remember um, two things in the scriptures that give me encouragement. One is is in the beatitudes when Jesus says, "Blessed are you when others revile yeah. you and under all yeah. kinds of evils against you falsely on my account. Great will your reward be in heaven. Rejoice." They did, you know, the prophets were That's treated right. the same way. And then, a, and right. then Philippians two, right. um, the Christ hymn leading into that in Philippians two five, I think yeah. where. Uh, where Paul encourages us to have the mind of Christ—it's ours. Right, that's right. Uh, to consider others more, and and
0: then it's this whole more thing of like lower, lower, lower,
1: lower, 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 even to the point of death on a cross. That's that's our way—is the way of death. So
0: that's right, Jesse. In the kingdom of God. <laughs> We uh, are servants for the sake of Christ. Our identity is in Him. We are children of God. We're accepted fully. All the benefits already belong to us. Amen. We can take a little death and rejection and entrust ourselves to the one who judges justly as well. And then, Jesse, some people... I'm baptizing a friend this afternoon. Let's go. The Gospel Underground is a podcast produced in partnership with the Bonifer House. Review us on iTunes, podcast, uh, Spotify podcast, Amazon. Five stars are acceptable. Send your comments, feedback, or questions you want us to take up. Maybe this fall on gender yeah. and the image of God and men and women and all that stuff. We are a dialogue taking place in the borderlands between the church and Barbie. And we hope to see you out there. Peace.